He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amurabi, and joined by Jack Shields and Stephen Brown. Jack, I haven't seen you since the wedding. How's life? Oh, life's good. I uh, just got back from Chicago, got to see the deer snake in the bleachers at Wrigley Field in person, and it was a sight to behold. Actually, they had a little... Uh, teamwork making the dream work going on there they connected two snakes in the left field bleachers and got jock <laughs> peterson to laugh at them it was uh i love wrigley field it is 100 as amazing as advertised as far as sports environments are concerned if you ever have a chance to go whether you're a big fan of baseball or not do yourself a favor and do it it's isn't, just it's amazing it, it just feels it feels very wholesome. I love it. Is it's, nature it's healing and with the beer is, snakes? What's up? Is nature healing with the beer snakes? Oh, yeah. Big time. That That's nature healing if I've ever seen nature heal right there. Beer snakes. <laughs> you know, that's, does, that's America getting back on its bullshit right there. Does any other sport do beer snakes? I don't think I've seen one in college well, football I tell you what, or um, NFL. The Oklahoma City Dodgers. They, um, I guess maybe they saw what was happening at Wrigley fans did and the Dodgers, they have these 26 ounce beer bats that you can drink out of, which I have done. It's pretty cool. And, uh, someone was stacking a bunch of beer bats and taking them all the way up to the upper deck. It's pretty sweet. So Oklahoma city Hmm. Dodgers are doing something a little similar. That's not as cool, but pretty cool. I've always enjoyed going to Dodgers games. I just don't watch the, the sport. Just go for the the beer in the, the atmosphere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It's. I mean, it's a sport where you can you know sit in the stands and visit with the people around you who you're with and you know have a conversation. It's a leisurely game to take in. It's enjoyable. It's a great summer sport. I don't think I've been inside that stadium since the Redhawks played. Uh, I just have not been to mm. any baseball games. It's nice. It's not like they haven't changed too much of it, though. Right. It, when it opened, and I guess it was 97 or 98, it was like the state-of-the-art minor league ballpark in America. Oh, wow. And it's still it's still one of the better ones. Like it's, They haven't really made a ton of renovations to it, but it doesn't really need a ton. I mean, right. it's, it's not bad. It's definitely you know still upper echelon of minor league ballparks. It's problem is they... And, Here's the thing. It's it's kind of a necessity. They've uh, tarped off a big chunk of the uh, upper level there. I think now it officially seats maybe 8,000, but I think without the tarp, it's like 13, which would make it one of the bigger minor league ballparks in the uh, country, but still a pretty good one. It's, uh, you know, in a good setting. It's right by the canal. It's a, a definitely a above average minor league ballpark. I dig it still. Interesting. Steven, what have you been up to? I've been busy. I've been busy a little, little bit of work, open up a new store. Other than that, 
I mean, it's just been chilling, just catching up with recruiting. I've been buying a lot of stuff, so I need to make some money. <laughs> bought a new phone. I told what you I bought my bought? new TV. Bought a new Xbox. Bought some new shoes. Jeez. So I'm going to need to take a loan it? out pretty soon. I guess. I, I just felt like going on a spending spree. You know, it's sometimes you need to treat yourself. And if that go. involves new clothes and shoes and TVs and Xboxes, you go for it, man. <laughs> what, 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 what kind of shoes you get? I got those new uh, Nike fly knit twos that are apparently really popular the guy told me they're popular <laughs> are they i trust them are they like athletic shoes or what what is it they're like uh they're like almost like business casual tennis shoes like running shoes oh, interesting. they're like pretty what fancy but casual? just the color scheme i mean it's nothing okay. nothing too fancy it looks a little bit more like dressy you could probably pull it off with some some you know, slacks or something. If you had okay. to. Interesting. What are they? What are they called? The Nike Flyknit Two something Fly Phantom. I'm googling it right now. Okay, they're out of stock a lot of places. So I, I know this guy wasn't lying to me when they said they're popular. I'm just looking at the images. Yeah, you could definitely you could definitely wear those with some like khakis and a polo and stuff like that. A little polo, yeah. Yeah, not bad. Oh, man. But, well, anyways, this past weekend was super big as far as recruiting goes. Uh, there was a barbecue, but everybody cared a lot more about the cars and the barbecue that we need. Did we even <laughs> see images of the barbecue that was served? I literally only saw cars. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the barbecue was inside the cars. Maybe it was the full experience. I think Teddy Lehman had a picture of the barbecue, but that was about it. Yeah, keep linking away from the barbecue. Uh, but rumor has it, not even rumor, I think it's just a matter of fact, that this was probably the most successful champion barbecue yet for the Sooners. I mean, it was a freaking huge event where almost all the guys there had a Sooner offer, and they weren't just hosting like some four-star guys from you know DFW area. They were from all around the country, uh, five-star guys, 2023 guys, uh, dudes that really are game-changing to the program. And so, I mean, the one commit comes out of it, like that's official, of course. Lincoln Riley's back on his typical BS with the eyeball emojis, which I feel like <laughs> I feel like we haven't seen eyeball emojis. Well, he retired for a, while. For a little bit because that one guy made him look silly for a second. I think it happened a couple times where he kind of, I think now got burned by the silent and, commit. He mm -hmm. got burned by a silent commit. I think now he's making the move of just showing them like a day or an hour before it actually happens. No more eyeballs for commits that are happening five months down the road. That, that in hindsight was silly of him, but it worked for a long time. It built buzz. That's the important part of it. But I like, uh, I yeah. like I hadn't seen it in like several months. It felt like almost yeah. two years. It's back, well, the baby. 2021 class wanted the, uh, the O's. So you just switched to O's. Oh, that's what it was. Right. But after that, he's like, I'm I'm going back to eyes. That was enough of those. I guess. I the mean, eyes get the people going. What if you did like a custom emoji, like per player? It's like, hey, what do you want out there? Dollar sign. 
Will Herm Edwards tweeting that out? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Sounds pretty I'm sad shady. that he's about to be gone. I like rooting for Herman Edwards. I like Herman Edwards. You know, he, I he's like easy that. to root for. Yeah. I thought he was going to fail miserably at Arizona State. Well, I did, and then he, he ended up doing well. all right for a while. But, I mean, he was, you know, obviously not covering his tracks very well, unfortunately. So you got to be better than that, man. Like, well, yeah, I think that's probably part of the issue of bringing in a guy who has very little knowledge of the uh, college landscape. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, where that's that got burned. You don't know how to play the game properly. You get caught leaving a paper trail come like like an like an amateur like an amateur i Uh, I enjoyed the herm edwards tenure at arizona state i think they were on a pretty decent trajectory there i mean i to his credit he was surpassing my expectations but you know he like you said couldn't cover his paper trail so yeah too bad yikes but uh, a few names come out of the championship uh champion barbecue i mean we talked about this before we started recording in Caden Helms, who I thought for the longest time has been leaning and just waiting to commit to OU. He leaves campus and says he's going to make a decision after he visits North Carolina. Derek Moore was another name that picked up a ton of steam uh, going into the weekend. And Oklahoma ends up getting one commitment for sure out of the, the weekend. And that happens to be top 50 player, number two running back in the country, four-star player Gavin Sawchuk would not be surprised Actually, if he ended up getting that fifth star after this coming football season, he's from Colorado and that's a state Oklahoma. Really? I feel like they haven't recruited like much at all over the last since like or the early two thousands, I guess. And so Jack, I'll come to you Zach first. Latimer, was Zach Latimer yeah. a Colorado guy? Yeah. Zach Latimer was, was a Colorado guy. And I, they, they try to get a couple linebackers out of that place uh, out, out of Colorado, but Jack, what was your what was your initial thought that Oklahoma gets commitment from Sawchuck, who goes on TV and he's wearing like an OU baseball jersey uh, to talk about his commitment? That's as excited as I've been about a running back commitment in quite a long time, just because it's not that he's necessarily the highest rated running back commit that OU's had in a long time, but he seems like a guy, he doesn't necessarily have the prototypical size that jumps off the page, but he does every other box is checked for him. He has blazing speed. He has great vision. That's more important to me than anything else. He has great vision and patience. That's something that a lot of, you know, guys seem to lack, but that's about the greatest, you know, attribute that a running back can have. Kennedy Brooks is basically just that. And he's very good. (laughs) You know, he's, uh, you know, he's got the speed, he's got the patience, he's got the vision. He's fairly powerful for, you know, he packs a punch pound for pound. He's not, you know, a finesse running back. I mean, he can hit the hole hard and he can, you know, bring the contact himself as well. But, uh, and he's going to be great in the passing game as well. So I feel like he's kind of the total package and I'm very excited to see what he can do in Norman. About as excited as I've been for any running back in quite a while. Steven he's been getting a lot of comps to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's dad, who's the coach over at Victory Christian up, up in Colorado was the one that even said, Hey, he's basically the closest to my kid. Do you buy that comp or no? Yeah, I buy a little bit of that comp. I mean, he's a guy that is obviously a game changer, um, has blazing speed. I am a little bit kind of iffy on whether it can be that lateral threat that, 
that McCaffrey is, but, um, you know, McCaffrey wasn't the guy that was just an insane athlete coming out of high school. I mean, he had to do some, a little bit of growing up himself. So, I mean, the frames all there, the speeds there, this is a guy that, you know, we talked about maybe like two or three weeks ago, Oklahoma hasn't had like that star running back since, uh, pretty much Joe Mixon and these two guys were Brown. And now uh, Sawchuck are those those two guys that can really be those game changers when, um, you know, in the playoff setting. Yeah, and it seems like Relik Brown and Gavin Sawchuck know where they stand with each other in the class. Seems like they both know that they will be coming in together and that they're both comfortable with that. And that's, I mean, of course, great news for Lincoln Riley where you don't have to worry about losing one guy because he's worried about getting a certain amount of touches toward the end of the year. But we'll, well, I guess we'll hold with abated breath until national signing day, until both of them have signed their letters of intent, because that has killed OU the last two seasons in big time backs. And, you know, it was a big weekend. It was a huge show. A lot of former players on campus and Trent Williams. Uh, you're, you're, of course you had CD lamb, Marquise Brown, you even had dudes like Teddy Lehman that were there, Blake bell. Uh, you had, of course, Sam Bradford that was there as well. But if you're putting together a perfect weekend for recruits, Stephen, I'm coming to you first. If you're putting it together a perfect weekend for recruits, what what events are you kind of having there? What, what are you showing up with? Like, are you going to do the same thing as OU with cars and barbecue or what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, I thought about this for about five minutes before I jumped on the, uh, the Zoom call um, for this, you know, everyone kind of pumps like the musical kind of like bring in like a hip hop artist, bring in someone that's really well known um, to like throw like a private concert or something. And I was like, the more I thought about it, it'd be kind of weird if it's just a bunch of dudes at a concert and on a field. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, hear me out here, name image likeness. You bring in essentially a jobs fair of Oklahoma's just like best celebrity. So you, you bring in like uh, Brad Pitt and like, you know, Brad Pitt, our guy Perry on here, he's visiting. He wants to be part of a movie. Can you get him in here? Obviously he's going to set him up right away. It's True. legal. So I do like a jobs fair thing. Get these guys some money right away. Some, uh, some legal money right away. Right. L- no, not, not the uh, Arizona state or the yeah. happy meals or whatever they're doing now. A job, a jobs fair, Xbox and gift cards. Would there be like entertainment as well, or just, <clears throat> it's just like a big old? You job might fair. have some. You might have some entertainment, but you don't want the entertainment to be the focus. You want the focus to be on football and money. You bring in any uh, any NFL scouts or just straight up for Oklahoma? I don't know if you can have scouts there. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I haven't really explored that. Obviously, if you're Hugh Freeze, you bring in a couple ladies, but or didn't, LSU. Didn't Bobby Petrino do that too? He might have been on that train as well. So there's probably a couple coaches out there that have uh, used that method. It's not a good one. It's not It's not a positive one. Uh, Jack, what would you do for a perfect weekend for recruits? What would you bring? And here's the thing. These things are typically won outside the official proceedings of the event, typically. They can be lost on that front as well. You remember Mario Edwards a while back. Mm-hmm. commenting that the nightlife in Norman was not very good. He came during Christmas break, so that's on him. But um, <laughs> like I said, yeah, that can, that's where some, that's where a player has really shown a good time and what it's actually like to be, not just what it's like to be a football player at OU, but what it's like to, 
I guess, experience life as a football player at OU. That's they get a glimpse into the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That's where they're won over. So it's a lot of it is about getting someone, I guess, paired up with someone, maybe a kindred spirit of some sort. That's kind of where that's that's at. Like have someone who is showing them around who maybe would click with them a little bit. So I think that's a very big component of it. Like basically the stuff that's outside of the official proceedings. Mm-hmm. But I do like Stephen's <laughs> idea as far as the official proceedings are concerned. Because turn that, the sweets that, that into a sugars. Yeah, the sugars sweet up there on good. the south end zone. Yeah. It's a good idea, you know, and. I mean, yeah, yeah, you could show them the, what the typical day looks like as an athlete, along with well, a night, couple, not day, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, you could find yourself at a at a Logies for several hours on end, and then you could find yourself at a Hertz Donuts or wherever else you uh, might get your midnight cravings, and then you know, instead of bringing, in, yeah, instead of bringing like something like I don't know, like the homemade barbecue or Billy Sims barbecue. No offense to Billy Sims, it's fantastic. Swadley's. I'm, I'm not. I'm not even going the barbecue route. I am getting going up to North uh, Southside OKC, <laughs> and I'm going to Bobo's Chicken. I'm going to get him to pull his trailer. Bobo's isn't Southside. That's East Side. It's East Side. That's right by the university. Um, and I'm getting this man to come over here. That's right, because on that side of the highway, getting this man to park his trailer right at the 50 yard line on the field. And serving just like all kinds of fried bread with honey and chicken and catfish and all these other things, you'll, you'll never delicious. you'll never forget it. And then maybe I don't know, have, go to a terrible experience in a in an escape room where people are paranoid. You guys ever been into an escape room where people are just no, like? No, it just doesn't seem it doesn't paranoid. appeal to me. I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm with Jack on this. Every time someone's like, "Let's go to an escape room," I'm like, "I'm gonna go to a bar, like a real human." <laughs> Yeah, I I it seems to, like too much work on it. <laughs> like I'm not trying to like have anxiety. I'm trying to enjoy myself. I and have anxiety during the day. At night true. I'm supposed to get rid of that. There's 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 so many different people in is in escape rooms, or there are different types of people. They're the ones that are super analytical and just try to make a bigger deal out of certain clues that are there. There are people that just panic and are anxious and that are no help to anybody. There are people that instead of like trying to like, I don't know, like guess what the clues are, just start ripping the room apart and trying to find clues that way. And uh, when you get everybody in the same in the room, that's of those kind of traits. It makes for a sometimes terrifying or good time. I don't know. I'm not I'm OK that with seems, escape rooms. It seems like a team building activity for work mm-hmm. or something like that is yeah. what that sounds like. Yeah, it does. It does. I went to AT&T today and it felt like an escape room for like 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, what, what made it seem like an escape room? I just want to trade my phone in. They're like, well, we got to do all this paperwork. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Just take it. Here's my phone number. Here's the phone. Just take it. That's it's true. Yours. Um, I thought it was interesting at the Champion Barbecue that the players that said, because they had like a Q&A breakdown session with former players. And one of the players that, first of all, showed up big time that nobody was expecting, really, was Sam Bradford. And I wondered if the players even knew who he was, despite him playing in the league for a minute. Um, they said, I think it was Sam Bradford and Lane Johnson, if I'm correct, that their Q&A was super helpful, <clears throat> not just for the players, 
but for parents as well, because a lot of those athletes on campus, those aren't dudes that are just going to be playing on Saturdays. Uh, those, a lot of those dudes will be playing on Sundays in the future. And so, first of all, let's talk about Sam Bradford being back. Is that a big deal? I feel like I, to me, and this might sound like this might sound crappy. I didn't think it was as big a deal as other people made it out to be. He's a very private guy. So people were, I, I feel like a lot of people weren't able to get a very good read on how involved he still is with the program or how much of a relationship he still has, but clearly that's all okay. He's just not someone who he's not on Twitter. He doesn't tweet OUDNA or anything like that. He's not really, he's never been someone who has, I guess, really sought the spotlight or who has really done anything like that. And some people have interpreted that as him not really being, involved with his alma mater very much and i think this kind of served as proof that that bridge is still there and i i I love seeing that i mean it feels like he uh people kind of i guess ou fans sometimes kind of forget about him a little bit as crazy as that is Mm -hmm. i mean he was when he was at ou i mean he was about as efficient of a quarterback as we had ever seen in college football in 2008 especially and he was about as beloved as any OU football player in recent memory at that point. I mean, he was, you know, he was an icon in Oklahoma at that point, but since then you've had Baker Mayfield, you've had Kyler Murray, you've had so many guys who have kind of taken that mantle from him a little bit that people forget about the guy who, you know, again, doesn't have Twitter, doesn't really show up at stuff like this usually, but he's back here this week. And that, that kind of made me feel good to be perfectly frank. Steven, what about you? Do you think his appearance was big? And what do you think about from the recruits point of view? Well, I think you already mentioned it. Um, Sam Bradford's a guy that you definitely want your kids to kind of like maybe idolize a little bit. Cause he's just an upstanding guy, not too wild gets his business done and he's very successful. Um, so from that regard, I mean, you can kind of put him in front of the parents and he's going to just talk, 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 talk. And they're going to listen because he's a guy that, you know, hasn't had his best NFL career, but he's been successful, hasn't got any trouble. And, uh, I mean, he's a guy that most Oklahomans are going to recognize and stop and say, hey, I want to take a picture with you. So, um, in that regard, I think it helps with, with recruits. I mean, he's not flashy. He's not going to be the most entertaining guy. So, I don't know if it really moves the needle there too much. But it is cool to see a guy that's been in the NFL, you know, for what was he, six, seven years off think, and on, yeah, made something a like lot that. of money. He did make his, a lot. His of contracts money. were insane. Yeah, yeah. They should just bring his agent in there. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose that since Baker Mayfield couldn't be there, and Kyler Murray was there, and so instead of getting the other quarterback that's in Cleveland that went first overall, you get the quarterback before everybody else that went first overall in Sam Bradford, and so that that would make sense and him going through the process of the NFL and him coming out on the other end, uh, especially winning a Heisman trophy also and going to the, the national title game in which his running back uh, was not able to be there who recruited another massive running back. But I guess he could have a lot of stories to tell, you know, even the parents like say like, look, listen, this is what Kyla Murray did. You know, he could have played two sports this is what Baker Mayfield did. I experienced that before. Those guys being a Heisman Trophy 
quarterback with a chance to win a national title. This is what the NFL feels like. And this is what it's like maybe afterwards. And I think that again, is like not only maybe not as great for recruits. I think the recruits are going to be looking at CD lamb and Hollywood Brown and Kenneth Murray and those dudes like that. But the parents definitely, I imagine looked at Sam Bradford because the parents remember Oklahoma in 2008 in 2010 and 10 years prior. And so Sam Bradford would be a name. I imagine a lot of parents, especially from Texas would recognize. Um, so I think, I think it's a great, I think, I think it's a great point that you brought up Jack about him just being a guy that Oklahomans love and just being a guy that's, of course, meant a lot to the university and the state. I mean, OKC native, PC North, they have a shrine dedicated to this man. Um, and then along the lines of how popular he, he is, even in today, uh, for people that followed football, of course, and the post BCS or pre- the right before the BCS transfer era. But, anyways, we're going to go to a break for our sponsors. Uh, but before we do, uh, what we're going to talk about is kind of where the team was when Lincoln Riley was first introduced into Oklahoma and their first appearance in the college football playoff against Clemson and then where they're at now regarding how big they are, their body types, but also even the kind of prospects they're bringing in recruiting wise and why that matters. So we'll take you guys right after the break. All right, guys. So the other day I was thinking about numbers in particular, as far as where Oklahoma was their first time they visited the college football playoff and. I don't don't think it's any mystery to any of us that many people, not just Oklahoma fans, but people in the national media expect Oklahoma to make the cultural playoff this year. And so I thought it'd be interesting to look at the sizes of players, particularly on defense, because with Alex Grinch's new philosophy and with their new scheme of what they're wanting on that side of the ball, I thought it'd be interesting to see, you know, where the recruiting has led them about how big they have players and in how much they weigh Along with just since Lincoln Riley's going has gotten to Oklahoma, their recruiting has picked up considerably as well and on defense as well. And I thought it'd be interesting to look at their average rating for their starters on offense and defense from that same 2015 um, national semifinal to this coming year's projected starting offenses and defense regarding their actual ratings. So I thought we can take a look by the numbers really quickly. So in 2015, Oklahoma's defensive backs were about six foot tall on average, which I thought was interesting. I thought they would be shorter, but that also includes the safeties. In 2021, their average is six foot tall, but I thought that the biggest difference here is the weight in which they have players at their playing weight. In 2015, your average DB, this includes safeties, which are typically bigger and almost, you know, some over 200 pounds, 185. And then in 2021, their average size, their average weight is 195, and you have several players over 200 pounds. Is there anything to read into that? Uh, yes, because, I mean, that was before they had Benny Wiley, and that was kind of before they had, like, a, a prototype or a, a body type that they were looking for as far as a defensive back. Um, I think at the time, back in 2015, you would have like a Mod Thomas, maybe Stephen Parker, those kind of guys, Zach Sanchez, yep, um, Jordan Thomas. So you had a little bit of height there, but some of those guys like Stephen Thomas or Stephen Thomas, Stephen Parker. I mean, it took some time for him to kind of develop his body. That's true, and Zach, Chan- Zach Sanchez just never developed his body. He's just 
a rocket. Was Will Johnson 2015? Will Johnson would have played a little bit, I think. Like it's like a nickel. Yeah. Now he was a regular contributor at that point. He was saved. He? Okay. He yeah. saved Bedlam in Stillwater right. one of those years. I can't remember which one it was. He had a big um, pick in seventeen. Okay, they, they, that's what I was thinking about yeah. then. But at the same time, and Jack, I'll come to you after this one, the linebackers really stood out to me. In 2015, your average shot linebacker height, about six foot one. Their weights didn't really change. It's 233 to 234. Well, six... that was the Tim Kish strategy of bringing in safety recruits and playing them at linebacker. That's fair. I mean, Eric Stryker <laughs> was supposed to be playing like box safety and then to put him on the edge. Well, and... he ended up being pretty a pretty damn good experiment there but i'm talking about other guys i mean it's you know that jordan was... evans would have been there yeah jordan evans jordan was about six three though he was pretty big and so but the difference is like 2015 they're about six foot one think about frank shannon think about dominic right. alexander those dudes frank like shannon that was a safety recruit yeah and and they go to 2021 there's the average is six four and you have dudes like david Aguebu that are like six six and other dudes that are just huge just seeing being able to see over the defensive line how how big is that jack well i think it's huge i mean in coverage i mean you have guys with more length i mean there's you know that's helps a lot with that and i mean it's you have guys just generally who are most more physically imposing at the linebacker position a lot of times you had guys who were you know not much bigger than a a safety playing linebacker essentially i mean it's uh it's improved by leaps and bounds in just a six-year period i mean it's basically grinch i've i've said this a lot grinch came in with a mission to get players of a certain body type and it really didn't take him long to accomplish that goal and it's not like he's doing it just for the sake of you know getting that body type i mean there's there's a purpose to it i mean it's you can see how much more effective the defense is just as a whole from top to bottom it's Mm -hmm. i feel like i mean opposing offenses genuinely have been rattled by oklahoma's size and speed and quickness over the past couple of years it's i i used to just dread watching ou defense for probably i mean five or six years probably longer i mean and now whenever ou's defense comes on the field i I'm about as excited as I am when OU's offense is on the field at this point. Like, just think about watching it. OU football at this point is a much more enjoyable experience because of Alex <laughs> Strange and what he is, yeah, what he's done on the recruiting front, the type of player that he has brought in. No, it's so accurate because when I went on that Pittsburgh Steelers podcast to talk about Trey Norwood, I <laughs> they were asking some questions about his first two years in comparison to his last year in 2020, and I had to like harken back to I was like, listen. Totally different play defensive play style, totally different things on the field. And plus Trey Norwood came back from his injury, like 15 pounds heavier. He actually put some time in the gym. And so it was really hard to give them some straight up answers about what he was as a player. Cause I was like, Hey, listen, he makes business decisions and dives at people's legs. But at the same time, we also saw things in the 2020 season that said he had made progress. So it was really tough to distinguish, you know, what exactly Troy Norwood is after only seeing him in Alex Grinch's system for one year on the field. And, you know, going back to these numbers, you got the DBs, they're about the same height, 
on, on average, but that's including the safeties. The, the cornerbacks themselves are about two inches heavier, uh, two, two inches heavier, two inches taller in about 10 inches, uh, 10 pounds. I can't get these numbers straight. 10 pounds heavier, 10 pounds heavier and far bigger wingspans. And then linebackers, not, not really heavier, but they are about four or five inches taller than what their predecessors were in 2015. The defensive line, pretty much the same. They're a little bit lighter, but that's what Alex Grinch kind of wants. Guys that are a little bit taller, lighter. You can play a, a lot of dudes at that defensive end spot. That you can play at the tackle spot and even maybe even rotate them into the, to the, the nose tackle. But I thought this was interesting. I also looked at the depth chart. And I guess for 2021, I would have to assume some positions for their depth chart of the average rivals rating. And so this is kind of what rivals breaks down their system as if you're a 5.7 player, you are generally a three star or an all regional selection player. If you're 5.8 to six, six, you're a four star slash all American candidate. And of course, if you're a 6.1 on that scale, you are likely to be a five-star and maybe even a game-changing like NFL franchise player. And so in 2015, the offense, their average rating was a 5.72. And on defense, the recruits for their starting uh, depth chart was 5.7. You fast forward to 2021, Oklahoma's offense is rated as a, their starting lineup average is rated as a 5.9. So all American candidates and their defense is also elevated to a 5.85. Again, that four-star all American candidate. And then in 2015, Oklahoma had zero 6.1 players, meaning five-star NFL caliber looking players on that 2015 squad. As of course, we know that not to be true because Baker Mayfield, Sterling Shepard and several other players are on that team. Um, as of now, Oklahoma has about six point has four uh, 6.1 players on the 2021 squad guys that are seen to be NFL pedigree franchise players going forward. And Steven numbers aren't everything. I mean, like Matt Campbell talks about, you know, it's five-star hearts and, you know, five-star effort over five-star players, but the NFL draft proves everybody wrong every single year. Yes. You'll have your Baker Mayfields. Yes. You'll have your awesome three stars here and there, but for the most part, people getting drafted are four stars and five stars and they don't miss that often. And so how big of this, how, how big is this going from 2015 <clears throat> to Oklahoma makes their first appearance in the cultural playoff to now they're expected to make it to the national title game and even maybe even win it this year that their offense and defense, their recruits are at a different level. Right. So in the big 12 and conference play, I don't think it really matters too much. Oklahoma is going to out recruit most teams outside of Texas um, so they're always going to have that talent advantage no matter what's going on. Where it comes into play is in the postseason where you get into these SEC Big Ten teams, Clemson, um, these guys that uh, they have those big, scary defensive fronts where, you know, those guys are 6'2", 6'3", but they can still run that 4'5". Like, they're, they're just all over their place. Those big defensive tackles, big middle linebackers. And Oklahoma is starting to get some of those guys to help them out, not just in like the big 12 play where they've done pretty well over the past, you know, five seasons, but in the, the postseason where they've kind of struggled a little bit. Gosh, remember when 
Charles Walker got a concussion in practice before the Clemson game in 2015. <laughs> and that was pretty much a lights out for the rest of the Oklahoma defensive line. Could you imagine if the Oklahoma <clears throat> defense had dudes like Charles Walker had dudes or that Oklahoma defense had dudes like Perry and Winfrey, Jalen Redmond, uh, Ronnie Perkins in the last couple of years, or had linebackers like they were relying upon like David Agwebu and not a Frank Shannon. Could you imagine right. what that defense would even look like in, Goodness, the, the level of play certainly probably would have been up there. The development probably not so much. Um, Jack, who were players at OU that you felt like lived up to their rating and maybe even surpassed their rating? I mean, like, for example, Baker Mayfield, like, that's an easy one. He was like a three-star guy, had offers from, like, Rice and SMU and somewhere else that he obviously didn't want to go to, so he walks on tech. But Oklahoma notably under recruits from texas they typically texas always is there in recruiting uh of course oklahoma they they've amped up their recruiting since lincoln riley's been on campus but texas always typically out recruited ou when stoops was there but oklahoma would always went out in development and so oklahoma i mean especially now on the defensive side regarding roy manning and alex grinch and god help him brian odom who's done a fantastic job in the linebackers room who are some guys that you thought lived up to the rating and or maybe just guys that you've thought outperformed the rating from their rivals days in, in high school? One guy who in recent memory obviously comes to mind is uh, Kenneth Murray. His yeah. 24-7 composite, he was a three-star recruit. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing with that. One of the, you know, recruiting rankings are a big deal. I think on a macro level, it's generally a very good indicator of talent obviously on a micro level of course they don't always get them right but on a macro level it's a great indicator of talent the reality is that these recruiting recruiting services have you know amped up their game and are doing a pretty good job over the past probably 10 or 15 years it's gotten a lot better but anyway murray was a three-star recruit however he had heavy heavy interest from ou texas and texas a&m basically the three biggest recruiting forces in his backyard. So it was a situation where the people who were familiar with him knew how talented he was. Mm -hmm. Like it was a classic recruiting battle between those three. So, I mean, and he always had those physical tools that you knew would help him at the next level. He was just a little raw at that point. And he, at that point he hadn't had, he didn't have as much meat on his bones at that point either, but people knew how, high his ceiling was at that point mm. and i mean OU, you know he honestly i i had talked a long time about curtis lofton being probably the best ou linebacker or probably the most underrated ou linebacker in my lifetime i mean he was a guy who deserved the butt kiss 100 percent in 2007 i think you know kenneth murray his last year at ou in 2019 was just once he was finally able to be unleashed and knew it was controlled chaos at that point, he was about as impressive a defensive force and disruptor as I had seen at OU in quite a long time, probably over a decade, mm -hmm. honestly. Better than, I mean, surpassing Eric Stryker, surpassing people like that. He was probably the most physically gifted OU linebacker of my lifetime. I mean, he, and you're seeing it in the NFL too. I mean, he obviously had some growing pains in his first year with the Chargers, but he was still all over the field all the time. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, once he kind of gets acclimated, I think he's going to be a pro bowl caliber player. Absolutely. I mean, so that's someone who in recent history probably steps off the page there. Once, you know, Brian Odom and Alex Grinch got a hold of him, that's when he really began to shine. So, Stephen, what about you? I'll stick with the same class. And maybe it's not a guy that was just overlooked. I'm going to go with C.D. Lamb. Um, just because it is the 2017 class. I think he was wide receiver 24 in that class. And that's obviously a very stacked wide receiver class. I think he had like T Higgins, uh, Tylen Wallace, Devonta Smith, all those guys, but Jalen Rager, pretty Jalen Rager was in that Marquise Brown was kind of in that. He was, although, you know, being a Juco guy, but uh, wide receiver 24, didn't get a, his uh his opening invite and I think that's where it all started where he kind of uh had that chip on his shoulder where he just wanted to prove everyone wrong so he absolutely outlived his ranking of I think he was uh, wide receiver twenty four and just maybe outside the one fifty something mm. like that okay or just inside the one fifty is one forty eight yeah. overall of course you know I'm gonna go way back for this one of course I say way back. Uh, I guess I guess a decade is more than enough back, right? Aaron Colvin for me was always a guy that there you go. way surpassed who people thought he was going to be. Uh, he was recruited by Bobby Jack Wright. That's a, that's a fun name. That's a fun personality. The guy had offers from Tulsa, North Texas, Missouri when they were actually pretty okay, and OSU, and he ends up turning his career to several different kinds of all Americans, definitely a big 12 all American. And he has a cup of coffee in the, in the, in the league, despite, you know, getting injured a couple of times. And he was just a guy that was a lockdown corner. Oh, you that I think, Oh, they played in the sugar bowl. Was it Amari Cooper? They basically yeah. said, yep. Nobody had ever been able to lock him down except Aaron Colvin at OU. I remember the game that he was out hurt and he had to come in and spot, I think, PJ and Banasaur because PJ and Banasaur <laughs> couldn't get dudes, can track dudes down the field whatsoever. And Aaron Colvin's playing with one arm and getting the job done. So I think Aaron Colvin is definitely a guy that came in three star, 5.7. So all star regional guy from Owasso before Owasso became that good and really outplayed what he was going to be. Now, of course, just like in the NFL, when you have a draft selection or an NBA draft, I suppose that just that's going to happen within the next month. There are busts, especially five star busts. That's what people like to talk about more often than people that surpassed and did a lot of good things with their careers. Who are guys that and Stevenson's with Jack went first, the prior one. Uh, I'll go to you first here. Who is in your mind one of the bigger five star or highly rated busts in OU history? And you can't say Smoke Patterson. There are a few <laughs> okay. in the 2008 class who come to mind. Three, in fact, and two of them. <laughs> wow, you, uh, you have a lot already. See, this is what I'm talking about. People like to talk about the ready to just bash the 2008 class. Yes. Two. Two of them turned out to be okay contributors by the end of their OU career. Um, those three that I'm thinking of, though, are Jeremy Calhoun, mm. RJ Washington, and Stephen Good. Those are guys who were, I think each of the three of them were top 20 players. Yeah, I remember, I remember RJ Calhoun. I remember all those pictures. Jeremy Calhoun, RJ yeah, Washington uh, from uh, Fossil Ridge. You make him the same person. Pictures. 
Yeah, I guess R- he could. RJ, by the end of his career, I think 2012 was his senior year, and he was a pretty good player. By yeah, the he time. was okay. He he was even good. Was a you know he was a starter by the end of his career as yep. well. Just never really never really had a shot in the NFL either. Ne- neither he or RJ didn't Washington he become a wrestler after OU? Did he kind of look like a wrestler. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he tried to go do the, like the WWE thing. I don't, I don't remember that. Let, let's but see. But anyway, yeah, that there was a lot of disappointment in that 2008 class. Jameel Owens, remember, from Muskogee? Oh, yeah. Him oh, and yeah. Jonte Bumpus. People yeah. thought he was the, you know, second coming. I mean, he – people thought he was going to be just incredible. There was – and uh, Josh Jarbo was in that class as well. Yes. He never <laughs> – He never <laughs> made it to campus. He committed. He committed okay, the Under Armour game. I'm going to come game. out and defend Josh Jarbo here. <laughs> he was rapping it with was, those. Okay, so the Bob optics said, nope. of replacing that video after being caught with a gun in your locker—not great, granted. Yeah. But he ended the rap about talking about self improvement. But Bob Stoops was a little out of touch, <laughs> and said no. <laughs> No, you are not coming here. You're not as talented and, uh, as Joe Mixon. I, I kind of get that, but at the same time, I feel like if you, if Lincoln Riley had seen that video yeah, and taken in the whole context and was a little more hip to uh, all that stuff and whatnot, uh, I think he probably would have been on campus at OU and probably would have had a pretty good career. You're probably right. So, That's actually I think really Bob crazy. even listened to the end of the rap. Probably no, not. No. He probably he turned that shit off. Five seconds of it. He's like, I've had enough of this. He's done. Yeah. yeah so I, I Googled Stephen Good. He ended up going and wrestling for not the WWE, and his ring name is Cole Andrews. So that's fun. Hmm. Sounds like a major maybe you can do like a halftime. Okay. Show. Yeah. 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 At the barbecue. Could. He should. He should. We could. We should invite him on the podcast. Um, yeah, Jack, you had a lot of guys that you already had like ready to go. <laughs> I, I think about it. the 2008 class a lot. I was in school at that point. People were very excited about that class. It was a really, you know, highly touted class, and most of the top of it did not pan out. I remember Adrian Tunnell was supposed to be the next big thing. Ooh, I was going to say Tunnell. Yeah. Ooh. So, uh, so I had a class with Poo Tunnell, and um, wait, 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 you calling him Poo? No, his nickname was Pooh. Here, so here's the thing. Wait, hold on. It was, like it was introduction. Introduction. Did you party to with this guy? There were a ton of football players in there. It was like a who's who of like all American caliber players yeah. at OU. It was like Trent Williams, DeMarco Murray, mm. a lot of guys. Um Ad- Adrian Tunnell, Adrian Tunnell is in that class as well. And he's looking at his phone and not paying attention. The teacher, the professor, Dr. Hackney, if you've ever had sociology at OU or intro to sociology. She is a mainstay and she is a character. Anyway, she notices him on his cell phone and she's trying to yell at him and get his attention. And she goes, she looks at the other football players and goes, what's his name? And Jermaine Gresham goes, it's Pooh. <laughs> and so Poo will always stick with me. That was a fun class. And Jermaine Gresham characterizing <laughs> his name and his play on the field all in one word. That's fantastic. Uh, Steven, who, who are some busts for you? 
Oh, man. Uh, someone's going to blog me on Twitter for this, but I'm going to say like Justin Broyles, obviously the number one. Oh, his mom's going to 2017. Come yeah, <laughs> I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel bad. I feel Bray bad about Walker. it. Bray Walker is definitely a guy that might have been a little bit overrated. Take it with at a grain point. of salt, but they're talking up Bray Walker this offseason. Beating the bow is. Take it with a grain of salt. It's offseason chatter from coaches. Well, the Broyles thing. Redemption. The Broyles thing. Shot. Was he was Broyles was the number one recruit in the state of Oklahoma, and that's why like that's why it takes me so like like it's such a personal thing. From I feel so not bad because like there's no reason to feel bad, but it's like I think it sucks that he was supposed to be the number one guy out of Oklahoma at a John Marshall defensive back, a physical one, and his career is you're gonna see him getting killed by LSU, and <laughs> the, that's that's yeah, all you're gonna that, see. It's not good to see that. Another guy that comes to mind with that from a few years back is Stan Von Taylor. Mm. I thought he was. I remember that Tulsa really game. Good. We all remember that was Tulsa he game. East Central, I believe. Tulsa yeah, East, East Central, Central High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he was going to be a fantastic player, and he just he never took off. It's 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 something. What about uh, another cool guy, number one in his class, but never never really panned out? Caleb Kelly would be in that conversation. Oh man! As far That's as like just being a, a five. Star. That's I feel like it's it's hard to call Caleb Kelly a flop because he's so he's such a mainstay and he's so beloved. And when he's been healthy and in the right system, he's been pretty good. See, like I can't I I don't know about that one, right? Because his freshman year, he actually was really good. And then that he gets sugar bowl against Auburn. Yeah, he looked like he was right. gonna dominate the world for the rest of his life. And then he gets beat out by Bolton because they changed defenses, and then he gets injured, then he gets injured, and then he gets back on the field like he, as soon as he gets healthy he gets back on the field in like critical situations in 2019 against tcu and this dude's just coming off an injury so for me i don't know if he's a bust uh, i mean like i guess but not you a could five say, star i guess you yeah exactly right. right like he hasn't lived up to it and some of it is his own pro, pro, uh, production on the field and some of it is just uh, un, unfortunate i guess uh unluckiness i suppose one of the guys i was thinking of the entire time is also uh, fond of French, uh, French uh, trench coats, uh, w- which would be Trey oh, Matoire. No. Trey Matoire is a guy oh, that no. just, uh, he never lived up to it on the field. And I guess maybe off the field as well, but uh, very unfortunate for him. Like, didn't he, he couldn't make the grades. So he had to go to a like military Academy. Yes. And then Our he, grave, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And then he ends up at OU. We're like, all right, number 17. He's going to go and be like something legit. And CD Lamb is what I think people wanted Trey McTwire to be, except, you know, he actually was able to get on the field. That's a pretty and, good uh, And uh, man, just not not good situation with the five star. I, I agreed with you said earlier, Jeremy Calhoun's uh, like another five star guy that just never panned out. And of course, AM got our sloppy seconds um, to go to that. And I think by the time. It was over and done at AM. Wasn't Calhoun a DB at? Well, no, no, no. no that was, oh, that's, oh, that's, oh, I'm Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams. That's, see, that's another name. That's that another name. <laughs> that's and here's the thing saying. I think Brandon Williams would have turned out really good at OU. Mm. I mean, I think I thought he was promising his freshman year, and he uh, he had some reasons to go back closer to home, some personal right. things. So that was that you couldn't really hate on him for that. But um, anyway, yeah, I thought he was going to be really good at OU, and he turned out to do some decent things at AM, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought he was going to be definitely a special player. No, so, and he looked pretty good at in flashes 
and it's like it's tough for OU because for and of course you're still the jury's still on Hazelwood and he's gone through injury stuff. Theo Weeze was a five star guy and he's maybe maybe gonna break out this year, but Oklahoma for the most part, their five star guys haven't panned out as five star. Like the who's the one that you can always point to? Joe Mixon. Five-star guaranteed, looked like it the entire time. He's in the NFL. Are there any other guys that were five-stars you were like, yup, they got it. They they nailed Rattler? that. Could you put Spencer Rattler in there? Is he there yet? Yeah, you could. You think Absolutely. so? It's hard just being a five-star, yeah. I don't right. know if he's like the Baker Mayfield, just yeah. ungodly athlete. Can but... we can we include Kyler Murray in that? Yeah, yeah. He's he a could. Yeah. Yeah, because he spent one what he spent one year at one year at AM. AM. Yeah. yeah, of course, and yeah. he would have never have become what he was without Lincoln Riley. And, right. I, and, and another thing about the Champion Barbecue, Jalen Hurts being there, being like, "Listen, I'm an Alabama guy, but I wouldn't be starting for the Eagles if it wasn't for this guy pointing in Lincoln Riley." Talk about how big that is for those recruits in talking about Lincoln Riley, the skill position player, but. Five-star recruits for OU in general, going back to that, haven't really worked out, especially in the Bob Stoops era, uh, besides Joe Mixon. Um, and I can't really think of many others that really panned out or how many even five-star players they even got with that. I mean, Did you call uh, Trajan, Trajan Bridges a bust? I forgot he was a five-star. He got busted. Yeah. Yeah. He got but He's bust. I'm, I'm going to move on. <laughs> I hope he succeeds elsewhere. That's, I really yes, I hope him and Seth McGowan. Bridges is going to leave like a one-star review on this podcast. Don't, don't Scott. <laughs> I hope they find success and get the help they need outside the University of Oklahoma. That's And that's I'll stick to that one. It, but it, it's about July, right? July is next week. Who on this team right now? Because they're heading into a, a season in which the expectations are the highest they've been since maybe Sam Bradford was on campus. Because the offense has always been good. You know it's been good since Lincoln Riley was there. But now the defense, you expect that to be a really fine-tuned product as well. Who, and you can include coaches in this as well, who on this team stands the most to gain and or maybe lose from this summer's competition and workouts? I guess to answer both, would you just go Bill Biedenboe for that? Continue. Well, explain. As far as, like, obviously Oklahoma's offense, they can just go to the spread and be okay. But, I mean, there are concerns along the offensive line. You're replacing a little bit. You know, can you get it together early enough in the season where it just isn't a dragging issue and doesn't cost OU a game or two early on? That's fair. I mean – we look, we've been looking at his offensive lines for a while, and it seems like, I mean, last year, last year, I get it, the COVID season, they all came back to, to camp, campus 30, 40 pounds overweight, and that's not, that is not an exaggeration. They legit came back to campus 30 to 40 pounds overweight. The year before, it seemed like they couldn't get stuff straight on the tackle position once again, uh, and that's what he experienced last year. And then the last time the offensive line was a really, really good. I mean, what Kyler Murray. And so well, and see, even that year, it took a little while for them it to did, gel yeah, it did. the year. I think it, it's taken a little while usually with Bead and Bow's units to gel. I mean, especially as a run blocking unit, it usually takes towards typically towards the second, usually after OU Texas is when the run blocking typically gels. 
2018 is a very good example of that. But um, and I think this year probably will probably be a lot of the same. I think because you know you're you know you're going to have Wanya Morris, but he's he's a new face. By the end of the year, he's going to kick ass. Mm. But there's going to be some growing pains with him being in a new system. And then you are you going to Kamiar is going to go off here. Are you going to stick with Swenson here, Ew. or are you going to? <laughs> Yeah. Stacy Wilkins was the guy who I really it that yep. sucks. I'm sorry. Like I I I really really wanted him to work out because I thought he was going to be oh, really yeah. good. And I feel like if he I, I don't know. It's just I uh, with him out of the picture it becomes a little murkier at tackle. So and probably I mean, I don't know. By no means is Steven I by no means you're saying that Bill Beanabo's on the hot seat, right? No, but can he get it far enough along to not repeat, you know, right. the issues early on in the season that we saw last season? Against like season? K-State. It doesn't have Texas. to be perfect, but but can you look the part at least? Because here's here's the deal. Nebraska, all the jokes about them, especially about their offense, they are valid. Nebraska offensively is not that great of a team. Their defensive front seven, actually pretty good. Not, I'm not saying like elite, but I'm saying they're pretty good. They gave Ohio State tons and tons of fits last year. Uh, whenever they were able to play, they returned like nine, ten guys on that same defense. Uh, that'll be an early test for Bill Beatenbow. I mean, they've recruited well for that front seven, so I'm curious to see what that is. And I wonder if Nebraska, their front seven, can give that OU offensive line, which I think to all of us would say might be Oklahoma's biggest question mark in only really serious question mark heading really into the, the season. only unit that's a question mark yeah um jack same question coach player whichever or maybe both who stands the most to gain or lose this summer most to gain um let's see i think dj graham is a guy who kind of comes to mind just because there are three guys in that battle and dj graham i think he had a really solid ending to the season and really looked like he was you know, he really looked the part as far as an Alex Grinch defensive back is concerned. He has decent length. He uh, basically does the things that Alex Grinch wants. He uh, He's a guy who I think with a solid summer and fall can maybe solidify that second starting spot aside of Woody Washington and maybe overtake Jaden Davis. I think his uh, he has a bit more of the uh, prototypical build that you would like as opposed to Jaden Davis. Jaden Davis doesn't really have the length that Alex Grinch is uh, a big fan of. I like Jaden Davis. I think he's a decent player, but uh, I feel like the upside's a little higher with DJ Graham. So if he can seize it over the next several months, I think uh, he has a lot to gain there. I think he can uh, be the guy, you know, from here on, I think he'll for a few years going forward. So I think, uh, but I mean, he's got to seize it this year. So, you know, because there's a lot of talent behind him as well, because you have Joshua Eaton. Right. And guys like that. So, I mean, he probably has to establish himself sooner rather than later. That's what I'm getting at here. I was actually going to go the opposite. I was going to, I was going to go Jaden Davis because ah. there's been, of course, everybody knows about Woody Washington. He, everybody's very high on Woody Washington. And, 
everybody was super, super high on DJ Graham at the end of the last year, rightfully so. He, you know, converts from wide receiver to DB, strong, athletic, uh, legacy, knows how to high point the ball really well, came on really, really strong at the last end of last year. And Jaden Davis, I mean, man, if he does not have a big summer, he could end up getting lost in the fray behind a guy like Eaton, behind a guy like Latrell McCutcheon, who's coming in already kind of ready to ball out and play. And so I could see Jaden Davis maybe even falling behind out of the rotation. It's possible in being a guy that's depth and might end up in the transfer portal if he does not have a good summer, if DJ Graham overtakes him and if he decides not to end up trying to get back in the rotation, if that were to happen. So I think this summer is really big for his development and for him to take a step forward and maybe even get a little bit bigger. I know him and Woody Washington and DJ Graham, all these guys have been a little bit nicked up and trying to get bigger this offseason just for what uh, the this next coming season will give to them. But that's all I have for today's podcast, guys. Do you, you guys have anything else? Well, I was going to say like a guy like maybe Marcus Stripling mm. at the rush end. I like that. A lot to gain there right now. Like a lot a to lot. gain. Yeah, especially because Nick Benito considering... not going to play every snap at the rush end. You're going to have to right, and they'll there, they'll so need a backup there. You can have two or three who can contribute at a high level at that position, and Stripling if he has a decent offseason, can be that number two guy and be really effective. So, And Steven, isn't there a rumor of another rush edge that won't be able to go for OU? Maybe not right away. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's... We'll see, we'll see how that, that pans out. A very highly recruited rush edge for OU, maybe a little bit nicked up, and it might require a little bit of surgery. There's a few guys out there that just... Yeah. They need to get healthy over the, the uh, next coming month. And that's another big thing for, like, that's another big thing for the summer, right? Getting healthy. Our injuries as serious as like Theo Weiss needs to really yep. take care of his body and become that guy before you go into fall camp. And same for Jaden Hazelwood with that, you know, that, right. bra- that brace is going to come off that knee eventually. And I'm curious to see what that looks like as far as his rehab. But otherwise, that's it for me, Jack. And then I did have a great idea. I got to contact Jason Ooh. White, but essentially... We're we're bringing back the store divided, and oh. we're just gonna we're gonna do name, image, likeness. I'm just gonna get like four and five star guys to just start selling their jerseys at the mall. That'd be actually kind of fun. Love it. I'm down with that actually. You know, and with all that, and especially the Supreme Court basically saying like, "Hey, let these guys be dudes." Uh, do you think that speeds up the process for EA, Sport, EA Sports in getting the uh, NCAA 2022 anytime soon? Mm, maybe they've they've always been slow on getting stuff out. The but I'm really ready for it to come back because the product has always been much better than Madden. Frankly, I agree. Madden's gameplay yep. is not as good as NCAA's was. It, it and, never and really It's so much more interactive too. You because you have Very. the recruiting and like if they add in like the again like. Your commitment's cheating. not official. The cheating and all the other things. Like I remember, some of the some of the early 2010 NCAA games, you could go on like NCAA probation. And in the yeah. late in the <laughs> in the latest ones, yes, yeah, it was awesome. In the latest ones, that they took that away, and I wanted them to bring it back. I wanted them to bring cheating in. I wanted them to be able to flip recruits in. There's a lot of things you could add to today's game, but I want my my player to get busted for taking cash from a donor and then yeah. have to transfer out. Yeah, getting uh, cash with a McDonald's bag or running or maybe like the... a side job at like Big Red Sports and yeah, running from the police with Asian food on your hoodie and getting tackled. <laughs> all all that good stuff. Yeah, Chinese food and tacos. 
the goat. So we're we're going to give Baker a little break for not being able to outrun the cops there. Ooh, I'm going to put some Chinese, like some Panda Express and some like Taco Bell on his, his Heisman statue. <laughs> Yeah. Once I unveil a, it. As an offering, maybe. <laughs> oh man. I think I think we're it's time to get out of here. Go ahead and follow us at cryptinacreamachine.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. Uh you can follow uh Jack at J Larry Shields. You can follow me at Camarabi and TCM. And you can follow Steven at SB. Thanks for listening, guys. If you liked what you heard, you know, hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review. Until next time, we'll check you guys later.